Welcome to the Future of Learning show. I'm your host, Lloyd Dean, and today's guest is Mr. Kevin M. Yates, and we explore everything related to data-driven learning. It's a really reflective conversation and kind of leads on to the previous episode I had with Stacey Hatch when we explored the V model and other techniques to measure the impact of our training interventions. Thank you, Kevin, for your time. I really enjoyed our conversation and I hope you guys enjoy the outputs as well. So, Kevin, the first question from me, um, and I apologize if it's a very kind of weedy uh, question already, is do you think that the, the delivery method has an impact on the results of the evaluation? And I just want to contextualize that. So um, we know there's low, you, there's lots of things like face-to-face, e-learning, virtual reality, augmented reality, and they might all achieve a given objective, but how do we know which one is the best and the most efficient? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great question, Lloyd. And I think that what you really want to consider when you're thinking about your delivery method and your expected outcomes is which is most appropriate for the desired outcome. And I always like to think about outcomes in terms of performance. So for the delivery method, to your point, be it virtual, be it classroom, be it e-learning, what you want to be thinking about is for whatever performance outcome you have, for whatever behavior change you expect, what is the best method to use in, in order to order to that outcome? So, for example, if you think about virtual reality, uh, there may be some performance outcomes or some performance uh, changes that are best suited for virtual reality. And then there may be some that are not. And then if you think about uh, classroom, your traditional classroom instruction and your classroom experience, think about the kinds of behavioral outcomes or performance outcomes that may be unique to what you can get from a classroom experience. So for me, Lloyd, you definitely have to think about the most appropriate uh, delivery channel um, as it relates to the outcome you desire or the outcome you expect. Um, you know, if you have a deep behavioral change that's needed to meet performance expectations, then a lighter, if you will, <laughs> delivery channel may not be best. So if you think about, say, an e-learning um, and you want to really have something that impacts behavior or performance in a very deep kind of way, um, e-learning may not be the best solution for that. There's not anything wrong with e-learning. But if you think about, you know, in a classroom, for example, where you can observe behavior in the classroom setting, where you can give feedback in the classroom setting. That's what I like to call a deeper learning experience. So for me, I'm always thinking about the kinds of outcomes that you can expect based on the unique characteristics of a specific kind of delivery channel. Does that make sense, Lloyd? Yeah, it does make sense. And thank you. And do you, are you have you done any work or are you aware of anyone that, you know, because I, I get what you're saying, but sometimes one of the risks I see in the in in work is that people have already made that decision that oh, I'd want to use VR because VR is cool and we haven't done it and someone else is using it. Um, so I wonder if there's kind of a, a, a diagram or some some flow system where you can say actually 
this nail is best used with this hammer, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I've, I've seen documents and I've seen guidance and thought leadership on that um, where there is opportunity to map a specific kind of desired outcome to the best type of delivery channel, right? So, for example, if your expectation for an outcome is X, then the best delivery channel for you is Y. So I've, I've seen that, Lloyd. Um, I can't direct you to one exactly, but I've definitely seen that kind of mapping in our profession. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I just kind of personally feel we need that clarity moving forward. Um, Absolutely. Okay. So the the next question for me, these questions are going to bounce around. So just as, as we said before, they're kind of reflections from, from my side and some comments from other people I've been working with at the moment. Um, sure. So I don't know if you've seen more and more roles like community manager or you know social learning manager or consultant, these types of roles that really are looking at data, but data that's that's live. Um, so you know you might be using your Yammer site and you want to see what the audience are looking at. You may want to look at your SharePoint site and see what people are searching for and going on to say actually this is maybe an indication of what people need to know this is their friction point um how can people in those types of roles demonstrate the positive impact of what they're doing and maybe get beyond just the kind of reactionary um, needs yeah that's another great question lloyd and so i love the idea of harnessing the power of the people (laughs) so To your point, there are roles now that are actually looking at the different types of conversations and topics and discussions that are rising in social media platforms. And so for learning and development professionals, that creates a unique opportunity uh, because what we can see now is the different types of conversations that people are having amongst themselves in social media And through that, we can gleam where there's opportunity for us to look at learning solutions and learning opportunities that address the kinds of things that people are talking about. So, for example, if you're in Yammer or, you know, some other social media tool and you see where there are lots of discussions about leadership, for example, um, people sharing experiences where they are successful in leadership or maybe even sharing uh, questions that they have about the best way to lead people and teams. So what the learning and development team has the opportunity to do then, if they have that person (laughs) who is, you know, taking a look at uh, social conversations and gathering that data, they then have an opportunity to identify what's important to people, um, the kinds of conversations that people are having in real time. We can then say, well, here's a topic that seems to be hot. (laughs) Here's a topic that people seem to be struggling with or one that people are talking about or even one where people are coming up with some good ideas and solutions on their own. So we then have the opportunity to harness that data in the best way possible by really hearing the voices of people and connecting to what's important to them. So that's that's a, a huge and wonderful opportunity that is coming from social media and coming from those roles that you talked about that are focused on looking at that kind of data. So I'm pretty excited about that. Mm. And one of the reflections I have then, if you start to like, look at the measurement of that, is let's say in that scenario, someone's mentioned manual handling 
you know, I've really, I'm really doing my backing at work at the moment and all of these types of conversations. You get my point. But um, I'm, I'm a learning curator or a learning experience consultant. And I say, hey, guys, look, here, I'm plugging them to our LMS and I'm plugging them to a specific course. Now, it kind of then, if, if you're kind of looking at the measurement and evaluation of what those, let's say, individuals are doing to draw them to the LMS, do you measure that or do you, do you then say, actually, once they get in the LMS, that e-learning platform, we're already measuring that, so we're not going to measure at all. Otherwise, you might have like duplication of um, evaluation and then I suppose it's hard to get into the realms of isolating which one's having the impact. Is it the training or is it the um, individual using their social media platform? And it's a kind of gray area in my mind, and I'm hoping I'm making some sense to you. Well, I, I, if I understand you correctly, Laura, I think that there is duplication of effort, um, particularly if you think about the even, even the baseline of metrics that most, if not all, learning management systems already have um, in their capability. So you don't have to do double duty to try to measure some of the things that you're already getting with your learning management system. Now, I will say that when you think about those types of interactions that we just talked about, just in terms of capturing um, what's going on in social media, um, your learning management system may not be able to get to the depth of data that we're talking about. Um, there is opportunity to do that through other types of technology and other methods um, so that's a little separate, but I believe what I'm hearing you ask is the extent to which we need to measure in one place and measure in another place as it relates to our learning management systems. And so the kinds of data that we get from our learning management systems will only go so far. Um, so there is a need to supplement that with other measures that give us deeper and greater insight into impact um, and into correlations between what people are learning and what they're doing on the job. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm, it does. And again, have you worked or done anything yourself or seen any, any any people doing this? Because what comes to my mind now is we then go back over to this kind of social media type role and we start to build up maybe personas um, or dash data dashboards um, that bring a lot of this data together. Yeah, yep. And, and the good news, and, and this is something that I am actually working with now, is that there is technology that supports not only what's happening in the LMS, but there is technology that supports measuring and capturing data for what's happening in the learning ecosystem. And so when we talk about the learning ecosystem, we talk about more than what's happening and what's going on in the learning management system. So if you think about Think about what happens real time, real world, day to day. Um, when there's something that you want to learn or something that you want to know, you don't just rely on your learning management system to do that. You might go out to the Internet and take a look at a YouTube video or you may go to somewhere on your corporate intranet or your corporate uh, knowledge site and take a look at a white paper. You may go to any one of a number of different areas to get what you need to meet your learning needs. And so if there's things that are happening, excuse me, outside of the learning management system, you want to be able to capture that. And that includes what's happening in things like Yammer. So one of the things and one of the most exciting technologies to emerge for learning development, I would say over the past few years, is XAPI technology. And again, what that allows you to do is capture data um, and measure impact for what's happening beyond your learning management system. You can capture data 
in all of those places that I just talked about. So when we think about a learning ecosystem, it really extends beyond the learning management system. And XAPI allows us to capture all those things that are happening across our learning ecosystems. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm familiar with XAPI, and I think you've um, described it very well. So thank you. And, um, and I agree, it, it, it is a great way to get data. My analogy is this, um, to play devil's advocate, a lot of people listening, their they're LMS, if you like, might be aching to a car from the 1970s. It's, it's failed <laughs> a few times and it's, um, there's a long, <laughs> you get my picture there. And then the other I side, do. Um, XAPI is in learning and development data terms, a Ferrari, and it's big and flashy, but in the middle, there's a Mondeo. <laughs> yes. And I think that's where a lot of people, you know, they might have the Ferrari, they might get the Ferrari from that old banger from 1970, but mm -hmm. they maybe can't use it as well as they could do or can't ask the right questions or what speeds to go to or what. Um, I need to stop the analogy. I think I've made the point. What I'm trying to say is this. I think for lots of people, XAPI may be beyond them. It may be that their IT department would select that off. It may be they'd have limited budget. Or maybe they've just implemented a new um, LMS and it's that Mondeo type system. So in that middle ground, where would you see um, like really, really good things that people would take away to bring data in and maybe create their own dashboard if that's their reality? Yeah, that, that's a great question, Lloyd. And, and it actually aligns to what I've been thinking about lately, because I know that to your point, there are organizations that don't have deep pockets <laughs> and there are organizations that are at different points along the way in the data measurement and analytics journey for learning development. So not all are ready for XAPI technology or any other types of technology that might require an increased cost. So when it comes to how to harness the power of data, if there is limited you know, resources um, and even limited talent on the team that knows about data, I believe that one of the options that organizations have is to partner with uh, outside vendors and companies who can help them do that. Because the reality, Lloyd, is that the art of data uh, and analytics and measurement for learning and development is uh, it's an art, it's a science, and it's a skill. Um, and the capability to do it does not always exist on the learning and development team. So if you try to engage in um, measurement data and analytics and you don't have the, the background, if you don't have the um, infrastructure to support it, you know, you might not be able to get to where you really want to go. So one of the things that I like to offer up to organizations that may be lean, uh, may be small, and again, not have the deep pockets, is to find ways in which to partner outside where you can bring in some help uh, to help you get to where you want to go in your learning measurement and analytics journey. Um, because again, if you don't have the expertise and the background, the experience, the technology, the infrastructure to get to that journey, um, then you might not be able to harness all that you need in order to answer those important questions that data measurement and analytics can answer for you. D does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so when you're talking, are you talking about consultants or what, what, do you, what do you mean specifically when you say outside help? Yep, absolutely. I'm thinking about consultants and I'm thinking about vendors who allow you to maybe not spend as much 
as you would if you were to purchase new technology or even if you were to, you know, hire talent to bring on board to help in that effort. Maybe you don't have the, again, the resources and you don't have the deep pockets to do that. But I believe that a middle ground, if you will, is to bring in an outside vendor or an outside consultant that can help you along the way as you are looking to answer questions for learning development using uh, data and analytics and measurement to do so. I think it's it's a, a good compromise. Again, if you don't have uh, all the resources to ramp up, you know, in in a big way, then what you do have the opportunity to do is maybe for half the cost of ramping up in a big way, if you can bring in a vendor or consultant to help you with your measurement and your data and your analytics for learning development, then I think that that's a good compromise. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And remember, a couple of years ago, we um, started to use Google Analytics on our on some of our systems, and you know it's free and you get you can use it to open. But actually, it's it reminds me of when I used to tidy my bedroom when I was younger in spring, and I'd get everything out of the cupboards, and it was just a mess, and you wouldn't know what to do with it. And <laughs> you know, at that level, you um, just tapping into that and I attended a one day course and that was very helpful. Um, so yeah, I get your point, um, point there. I'm just intrigued uh, now, Kevin, when you go in and have meetings with, um, you know, when you're looking at uh, evaluation and you're trying to go through the things you go through, how do you start the conversation? How would you, um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. How would you start the conversation with the stakeholder? Yeah, that, that's a great question, Lloyd. And, and believe it or not, my first conversation when I'm thinking about measurement and data and analytics and evaluation um, has nothing to do with any of those things. <laughs> my first question and my first conversation where I'm most curious when I'm thinking about that is what is the business trying to achieve? So ultimately, at the end of the day, my question to the business is what are your goals? Um, are you trying to improve quality? Are you trying to reduce errors? Are you trying to improve engagement? Are you trying to improve customer satisfaction, customer experience? So I'm really focusing on what the business wants to achieve because ultimately what determines the extent to which learning development is successful is whether or not the needle moves in any one of those areas and, and whether or not that needle moves as a result of something that learning and development contributed to that effort. So my first conversation with stakeholders is always, always, always around what the business is trying to achieve first. That, that drives everything for me. And um, we, we had Stacey Hatch on a few weeks ago, and she mentioned she would use the five whys. So once you get to that point, you know, why, why, why are we doing this? Why, 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 why? If you can... You know, decipher that it's a real business need and not something that a senior stakeholder or a team just like the idea of. Um, do you have a methodology or your own process that you follow to get to that tangible point? I do, and, and it's a very simple one. So the first question is, what is the business trying to achieve? Right. So it's those goals I just talked about. The second question is, what are performance expectations to achieve those goals. So what are the critical behaviors and skills that people need in order to meet the performance expectations that will help the business achieve those goals? And then the third question is, what do those performance and behaviors and skills look like on a day-to-day -day basis, right? So if people are executing in a way and using their performance 
that helps the business achieve those goals. What does that look like? So if I were to have a camera <laughs> and I wanted to record what it looks like when people are behaving and using their capability in a way that helps the business achieve their goals, what does that look like? Those are three critical questions for me. And those are critical. And that last one is particularly critical because when I know what the behavior or the performance looks like on a day-to-day basis, I can then measure that. Because if I can see it, I can measure it. So those are the three critical questions for me when I think about getting learning and development aligned to business needs, but also when I think about getting learning and development ready for measuring the impact on business goals. Does that make sense? It does. And thank you. Um, Yep. Okay. So I'm just going through my list of questions here. Oh, I was uh, saw a a couple of great articles and I would point people towards your website, by the way. Um, Thank you. Great resources there. And yeah, it was a good dis- discussion on, on a Q&A blog you had about isolating the effects of training programs. So my question is, how can we isolate the effects of our training programs to prove it actually was training? Because that's all, always the key question. You can stand up there and say, hey, you know, we sold world peace. You get the question, how do you know it was the training? And we just stand Absolutely. and scratch our heads. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, that there are two or three ways in which you can isolate the impact of training. One of my most favorite ways to do that it's through the use of control groups. And, and so for, for those in our audience who aren't familiar with how control groups work, you have two separate groups. Um, you have one group that will have a learning experience or have some training that they will experience. And then you have another very similar group um, who will not go through training, right? So with the control group, the one who won't go through training, you can compare that to the group that will go through training to determine whether or not there's a change, right? So let's say that we have group A and group B. Group A will not go through training. Group B will go through training. So all else is equal. So if group B goes through training and we see that after training, maybe 60, 90 days, we're seeing some changes in behavior we're seeing some different things happen. We're seeing some improvement in performance. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing this very simply for the benefit of time and for our audience. But the idea here is that if you see some changes in behavior in group B, um, and if you see some changes in business results as a result of that training, then we can conclude that training had a significant impact on the business results um, as a result of the training that those people went through. Whereas group A didn't go through any training. And if we take a look at business results for group A and we don't see that anything has changed, then it would be safe to conclude that, again, as a result of training um, and the impact of training for group B's uh, behavior, that we can safely conclude that the training was effective Um, and that the training ultimately did what it was supposed to do. So that's one example of how we can isolate training through control groups. Excuse me. The other way in which we can isolate the impact of training is through the knowledge of the crowd. (laughs) And what we can do when we do that, Lloyd, is to gauge our audience, engage our audience rather, Um, And ask them about the extent to which they believe training impacted a particular goal, a business goal, 
Because what we know for certain is that in no instance does training ever solve a problem or impact a business goal 100% by itself because there are other influencers. So what we can do through focus groups and through conversations and harnessing the power of the crowd is to get their get to get their their thoughts and ideas about the extent to which training has impacted a goal in the business or or business metric and and that's another way to isolate. So here's an example of that. We might get a focus group who participated in a training program that was meant to change some type of behavior, change some type of performance. And we can ask them of all the influencers that contribute to changing a business metric or a business goal, including training, to what do you attribute the impact of training? So they might say that if that business goal was uh, changed and there's an impact, maybe 10% of that impact came from some new technology and maybe 30% of that impact came from some type of incentive that was offered. And then they might be able to say uh, 15% of that change came from training and development. So that would be another example of how we can isolate the impact of training by harnessing the thoughts and ideas and, and, and knowledge of the crowd or the people, because they're the ones that are doing the work. So they can give us some good feedback on the extent to which they believe their own performance or behavior was impacted by training. So those are two uh, isolation um, methods that I like to use the most. Does that make sense, Lloyd? It really does. Thank you. And I I just reflect that in learning and development more, we need to share our processes rather than just the headline figures of our, you know, return on investment um, studies really and really ca- in those case studies really dive through how we isolated the effect of the training program so thank you for providing that detail um, sure i hope it made sense yeah. <laughs> okay so that's my main questions uh done so thank you i've got a couple of quick fire questions uh now three so kevin what sources or resources are you learning from right now so I- i'm fortunate to have some leading uh peers in the industry, uh, some really strong thought leaders who have really inspired me and motivated me for the work that I do. Um, And the work that I do is really focused on measurement, data, and analytics. So the resources, one of the resources rather that I'm using is coaching and mentoring from those thought leaders that I just talked about. And so to to your listeners, Lloyd, and to, to, to your audience, I would highly recommend that for whatever your area of focus is, for where you want to learn and grow, um, I highly recommend that you find an expert in that area and, you know, connect with that person and learn and grow through a coaching or mentoring relationship with a thought leader or an expert in your selected topic, in your selected industry. Because for me, um, definitely one of the ways that I am learning and continuing to grow is through uh, the mentoring and coaching relationships that I have. Um, one of the other areas that I uh, I use as a resource for me is through associations. So, for example, I am a member of the Center for Talent Reporting, um, uh, headed up by David Vance, and the Center for Talent Reporting focuses on measurement, data, and analytics for learning and development. 
So I believe that in addition to having some good coaching and some good mentoring, it's important to be connected to an association um, that also supports whatever your area of interest or whatever you know topic you're interested in. And then the other um, the other thing that I use as a resource, believe it or not, is LinkedIn. <laughs> there are Great. some and yeah, there are incredible resources that are on LinkedIn, particularly as it relates to um, to articles and to people um, who have some really, really smart and some good ideas about measurement data and analytics. Again, and that's where, where I am most interested. So, you know, to, to sum it up, Lloyd, to answer your question, what am I using to um, you know, as as my resources, I'm using coaching and mentoring. I'm using professional associations, and then I'm also using a lot of the good work and the good voices that are coming from LinkedIn. Okay, if we could, if you could recommend one person that people go ahead and follow on social media or LinkedIn, or yeah, LinkedIn is social media. Um, one person, who would you recommend? Wow, one person. So you you're, you're really going to make me hurt some people's feelings. <laughs> so, <laughs> well. I'll, I'll say that, you know, again, there are a lot. OK, uh, but if I were to say one, um, I would probably recommend and, and it's it, it's it's one person, but it's really two. <laughs> it would be Jack and Patty Phillips with the ROI Institute, uh, again, because I am so focused on measurement data and analytics. And Jack and Patty Phillips of the ROI Institute are really leaders in measurement and getting to ROI for learning development. So. It's really uh, two people, but it's one, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So, I would yeah. recommend that as well. Um, okay, and if final question from me on the quick fire questions. If you could change one thing about your industry, what would it be? If I could change one thing about my industry, I think that I would heighten the commitment that we have to using fact-based evidence to show the impact of our work. I think that as a profession, we are doing incredible things. And I think that in so many ways, we are really empowering businesses to meet goals and to be successful. Where I think that we have the greatest opportunity is to do more, uh, do more of using data and analytics and measurement as fact-based evidence for our impact. We don't do that as much as I believe we should. So if I could wave a magic wand <laughs> and if I could change something immediately, it would be that, you know, we we are always using facts and data and evidence to show our impact. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good philosophy for life to base, base opinions on facts, right? Um, Absolutely. <laughs> facts matter, especially in learning and development. Yeah. So look, thanks for that. If people want to get in touch with you or reach out, how could they do that? Where are you active? I am definitely active in social media, so you can follow me on Twitter at Kevin MEH. I am on LinkedIn. Uh, feel free to connect with me. I am on Facebook as well at Kev MEH. And then definitely visit my website at KevinMEH.com. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Kevin, look, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, and we look forward to hearing back from you in the future. Thank you so much for having me, Lloyd. I appreciate it. Again, thank you, Kevin, for your time. I really enjoyed our conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. If you found value in any part of the episode today, I would really appreciate it if you could share it on your social media channels 
whether what, whatever that channel is. Also, if you haven't done already and you're a regular listen, listener to the show, I would really be grateful if you could just take two seconds to review the show on the iTunes store and reflect and feedback as, as honest as you can be. Thank you guys for your time and hopefully we'll have you back next week.